today we're going to cover a passage that is meant to mess you up, okay? Uh, and what I mean by mess you up is that this passage we're going to go over today is meant to essentially break you down, to have you realize you really need Christ. And this, this passage that is easy to read and easy to understand in principle is really meant to cut to the heart. It's meant to reveal your sin. It's meant to break us away from self-reliance and point us to rely fully on Jesus alone, all by faith in him. Because we're going to cover a topic, a law, that will confront us in just how sinful our hearts are before him. But then, at the same time, reveal just how gracious and good God, our God is because of the gospel message. So our title today, as you can see, is just too good. Sounds simple enough, right? Uh, yeah, it's not. <laughs> you know, one person said this. No man knows how bad he is till he has tried very hard to be good. No man knows how bad he is till he has tried very hard to be good. And that's basically what we're going to be covering today. To help us rest in Christ and his finished works on our behalf through faith in him alone. So to set up the context, Paul has been speaking on how the church is to minister to the people in the church. So in summary, he has basically stated that we need to address each issue, but with patience and not harshness. And now he continues with that idea into the next verse. But rather than addressing certain groups of people, he's going to address all of you, all of us, all the people in the church. So we're going to look at the text and see what Paul has to say. It says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 15, it says this. See that no one repays anyone for evil for evil, but always seeks to do good to one another and to everyone. Now again, it's important to understand that Paul is not putting any qualifications on only certain believers that are called to do this. Paul is saying this applies to everybody, everyone who has faith in Jesus, and not just those in leadership positions, that everyone is to apply this to themselves and to others. We're all to do this. So before we, be, we dig in, okay, and take this passage apart, I want to make this clear. This whole passage applies to believing mothers, believing fathers, children, grandparents, husbands, wives, singles, new believers, mature believers, those who are suffering, those who are not suffering, those who have scarred past, those who get triggered easily, and so on and so on and so on. Okay? This verse applies to any and all who believe in Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Now, why bring that up? Like, duh, right? It's the Bible. It's to, to all the believers. Well, because as we start to go over this passage, and the conviction begins to set in, or the reality of what's being stated here takes hold of you, you know what you're going to do? We'll begin to make excuses as to why we can ignore this verse. We'll begin to try to qualify what's being stated here. So as to say, this does not have to apply to us in this or that situation, but rather it applies to somebody else. We begin 
to become the best lawyers as to why this law doesn't apply to us in our certain context of life. What Paul is stating here is meant to reveal how sinful our hearts are and how we desperately need a Savior in all aspects of life. And sadly, we will not want to admit that initially. We will want to tell the Lord that we got a handle on this, that he doesn't need to get involved, he doesn't need to go there. But oh, how he does go there, because he loves you so much, and he won't leave you alone. He loves you too much to reveal how free you are actually in Christ and what he has done for you. So back to the text, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 15, the first part. It says, see that no one repays anyone evil for evil. So right off the bat, Paul says here that we as believers have a duty to each other and to ourselves, that when we entered into the relationship with Jesus Christ and entered into his family, we are now called to support each other, help each other, and watch out for each other in this aspect. That, for example, coming to Sunday service, going to Bible studies throughout the week is not just a you and Jesus thing, but we are in this together for Jesus' sake. And one of those things we are called to do and be on alert for and watch out for our brothers and sisters and even be on watch within ourselves, and that applies to everyone, that means you, is that we're not falling into the temptation of paying back evil for evil with people in the church. Now, that might sound like a shock to some to think that evil can happen in the church. Yes, sadly it does. And sometimes the most harsh and brutal damage to people happens in church from people in the church. Just because people gather around the name of Jesus does not mean that people are not prone to sin against each other. Sometimes in the worst of ways. We forget that church is a place for gathering sinners who have sinful attitudes at times, who give sinful responses at times, who are selfish, who look out for their own needs at the expense of yours and everyone else's. Which, by the way, it's an import, that's an important insight right then and there for all of us. Paul is fully admitting and sadly even expects that evil, even expects that evil things are going to happen and can happen and will happen within the church. And that's something we have to realize. Because if we don't, sadly, we will fall into the very sin this passage warns about. About returning evil for evil. Like we'll become, for example, self-righteous in our judgments, a holier-than-thou attitude that I'm a better-than-you response when people sin against me. And sadly, from what I have seen and heard in church life growing up and being part of many churches, Joseph, is that people, here's the thing, people love, love this, okay? We love this. We love to declare that all imperfect people are welcome to church. Come on over. We can use another sinner. Right? We'll make room. We love to say no one's perfect. We dance around, parade it, ride it on cards, greet each other. No one's perfect. We proudly say it and raise that flag everywhere we go. But when push comes to shove, and we have to deal with the imperfect, 
We have to deal with the evil done to us from our very own church members, which we proudly welcome, saying everyone's not perfect. And all of a sudden we lose who usually are welcoming attitudes and begin down this course of becoming evil for evil. Which, let's be honest, okay? When evil is done to you in church life, if you get disrespected, what happens in church then? Criticized unjustly, what happens spiritually? Purposely ignored or purposely looked over or just looked over. You're like, hey, did you not realize what I've done? Or rudely not acknowledged, belittled, or treated as a fool because of a difference of an opinion on something and so on and so on. What is our first response to the evil done to us? We want to lash back. We want to get them back because it's personal. Or put differently, we want to hurt them in some way because they hurt us. And Paul here is saying we must never do that and see to it that no others do that too. But notice, Paul does not say only certain types of evil you're not called to respond with evil back. No, what Paul is getting at is any type of evil. So that means any immoral conduct any immoral attitude, any hostility, any passive aggressiveness, anything that can be characterized as evil or malintent towards you, which you could take offense, which you take offense to. From the small petty things to the major things, any evil done towards you within the church, my brother or sister in Christ. Any evil done you, in response to such evil, big or small, are not to react back with any evil in any sense of the word. Nothing is to be characterized as evil coming from you. No critical, sarcastic remarks. No harsh, piercing words. No wrathful anger. No cold, quiet moments of looking upon them with contempt. That also means going behind their back when they're not around, criticizing them, speaking low of them to people so others think a low of, low of them too, just trying to ruin, ruin them in, their, in people's eyes just a bit, just a bit. Can you believe it? So all of us then are called to keep watch out for each other and ourselves to make sure we don't repay Evil. Now, real quick, I need to make, mention something here that, that makes something clear because it's something you can easily forget, and we, I, I forget too. When you do, by the way, point out to someone in the church that, hey, what you're doing is repaying evil for evil, and in whatever context, hey, you shouldn't be doing such a thing, right? You're like, Boop, do, do. keep this in mind. Most likely, the person will not respond kindly to you and will get puffed up against you. And you know what's going to happen to you? Because you will be, you'll say something like, well, I was just trying to help. You too, then, could also end up falling into the temptation of repaying their evil response with evil yourself to them, getting all offended because they offended you, saying, fine, I'm out. Turn a cold shoulder to them. 
and then go complain about them to others. Just a snowballing effect of evil dragging everybody in. We always have to be on watch for such a thing and be there to help each other out in situations. That's a big thing to be on watch for. Now, that's a lot to take in, right? It's hard enough to do in itself. But Paul's statement here of not repaying evil for evil is an all-the-time thing in the church. But before we think we can accomplish such a thing on our own and or maybe have been good at keeping this command through personal restraint in our responses, Paul goes deeper and he goes after your heart in this particular subject matter of not returning evil for evil so as not so you just can't be proud of yourself for being self-disciplined. Self-disciplined to where you're still angry, but you're just not showing it, you're hiding it. So Paul here, in hard contrast, says something or the very thing that no one wants to do when hurt by evil. Do something, do something that's or when hurt by the evil done to them. He says, hey, don't just restrain yourself from being evil back, but rather, as 1 Thessalonians 5.15 says here, but rather, always seek to do good to one another. So what Paul is saying here, rather than hiding your heart of a sinful attitude of evil towards the person through a grimacing smile and you're dying on the inside, rather than that, you are actually to always have a positive, heartfelt response that seeks after their good, that seeks their benefit always. Even, because he said this is all the time thing, and then includes even as they respond to you in evil. So it's not just a response to the direct thing alone. It's an all the time thing that includes the evil that happens. So you heard, I want to make sure you heard that right. We are to see to it that our brothers and sisters in the Lord, as, in the Lord, as with ourselves, are only seeking the good of each other all the time, even the offenders, seeking only to do good also to the one who does the evil or has done evil to us within the church. And to put it more in your face, to see how serious Paul is, with what he's saying here. The words, the word always means situations. No matter how evil or how much pain someone has caused or is causing you. And the word seek means to, to adamantly pursue this doing of good to each other. You could actually translate that word as persecute. So persecute with good. So Paul is saying in all situations, all circumstances, you are only to strive, to seek, not try. There's no trying. But are to strive. I'm like, I'm trying. No, 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 no. Not, I'm trying. No, it's you are to strive with a passionate heart of love to see or to hound each other with good. Even the people in the church who have done evil just to do good to them, that's it. No evil, only good, which comes from the heart towards them, not just an action. 
but it's a willing to a wanting. Now, let's just stop there. How are you holding up? Is this how you've been treating people in this church? Let me get personal. Is there anyone in this church that has wronged you and you have stopped seeing their good? Which in itself is, e is an evil response to them. Or let's just get more personal. Do you just hound people around you in this church with good works all for their good? Are you hounding people? Is this your passionate goal from the heart when you come to church to seek the good of these people in this church and even those who have wronged you? What a wonderful day to go to church. This is a special day to go to church. Is that what you thought when you woke up? Does this constant attitude of seeking to do good describe your interaction and mental state and heart towards the people in this church? When I read this passage that says always to seek to do good to one another, does that describe you at all times? I mean, maybe it does for you in response to some people, some of the time. You know, those people that warm our hearts, we just want to do good to them. But Paul's not saying some people. He's saying for all people within this church. He's not saying some of the time. He's saying all of the time. Now, if we're honest, we're not like that. I know I am not like that. And nor are you. But you think, okay, well, that's a lot, Paul. <laughs> but Paul doesn't stop there with this seemingly simple statement of just do good. It's just, it's just three words, just do good. He doesn't stop. He's, and what he says next is really meant to have you hang up your hat, fall on your knees, and worship. Paul adds at the end of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 15, he says this, and to everyone. Paul here says everything that he has said about people in the church not repaying evil for evil and only having a heartfelt hounding after doing good at all times to the people in the church doesn't just stop at Christians. It doesn't just stop at Christians. But it's supposed to be a way of life with everyone you come in contact with in any situation arises in our lives. Yes, that means you're belittling boss. Yes, that means that rude cashier. Yes, it means that guy that gives you the bird on the freeway. Yes, it's that family member who hates your guts. Yes, it's your spouse that annoys you at times or is rude to you at times. Yes, it's that person who adamantly disagrees with you and thinks you're stupid and tells you to your face you're stupid because you disagree with their opinion. Yes, it's that person who rudely interrupts you while you are speaking. Yes, it's that person who always thinks your ideas are just dumb. 
Yes, it's that person who's always trying to make you fail or trying to create things in such a way that you don't succeed in whatever you're doing. It pulls back and says, hey, don't do that. Yes, it's that person who is trying to make your life miserable. And the list goes on and on and on and on. But Paul says the way of the Christian life, what we're called to promote in one another and ourselves, is not to repay evil for evil, but to always seek to do good to each other and to everyone, even the very evil people in our life who have scarred us emotionally and mentally for evil or wrong. We are seek to do good, no excuses allowed. As of now, I am sure we are all thinking of tons of excuses as to why we should not seek the good of those who have hurt us so bad and maybe still are hurting us. That maybe, that maybe we can agree to restrain ourselves from returning evil for evil. But this whole thing of seeking good for those who cause us pain, who don't deserve it, that's just too far. And that can't really apply to my personal life and my situation, right? And it does. But yes, that person you were thinking of who was saying, there's no way this can apply to me or person, yes, it does. You are always to have an attitude of doing good, being good, seeking good towards that person at all times, says Paul. Remember, Paul is speaking to a church who is being heavily persecuted for their faith from the people in their community. They did not like them. They didn't like that they were being Christian, and they were very hostile to them. So much so that as we have already seen, you could read in the beginning of the book, that Paul had to flee because of the persecution. Because the hostility was so bad that Paul had to leave. So Paul here is being very specific and direct with what he's saying. They had great hostility around them. And Paul says here, they are only to seek the good for all, including those who hated them. Now, real quick, I must say this. That doesn't necessarily mean putting yourself in harm's way, okay? Because, again, Paul had to flee. For you can still seek the good of people without putting yourself in physical danger or harm, okay? Nor does it mean that you cannot speak truth and seek justice for wrongs or seek discipline or protection from evil, okay? That's not, Paul's not saying that. What he is saying, though, it's the attitude in which you do such things, what Paul is getting at in those hard situations. He's going after your heart. For most of the time, when we seek justice or present truth, it's not out of a heart seeking good for the people who have wronged us, but a vengeful heart to hurt them under the disguise of godliness. See, God says in Ezekiel 33, verse 11, Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of God? Sadly, 
most of the time we seek truth and justice is for the very opposite of that. It's not in the hopes that people will turn from their evil for them to have life. But a lot of the times we seek truth or justice, especially in the moment, just to take pleasure in watching people burn and not caring for them. We have this mentality of, just get them out of here. Get them out of my life so I can be happy because I'm more concerned about my own happiness, my own good, my own well state of affairs than theirs. Get them out. And we'll do whatever it takes to hide it under a robe of rebellion. So you might start asking, well, why are we called to live in such a way towards each other and others and even the evil people in our life. How can Paul write such a hard thing? Is he just like being inconsiderate? Is he a, a nimnu? Is he naive? Well, it's because all of this is grounded in the character of God and his actions towards the evil world. God demands that we are to follow after his ways and be like him. He demands we are to be perfect in this just like he is. Are you sure you're right? Did Jesus say that? Amen. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 48, this is meant to help us realize the demands that God has upon us. Jesus says this, You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not sometimes resist him. He says, do not resist the one who is kind of evil, a little bit who is evil. But if anyone, no qualifications there, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Not necessarily bad company. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, give him some of your cloak or give him something else. Nope. Let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, kick him in the shin. No. Go with him two miles. Where's the resistance here? 42. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard it you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's not being promoted in today's culture. But I say to you, just look out for your enemies. Be kind of kind. No, love your enemies. Speak bad. No, pray for those who persecute you. So that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Give us both. Give us good. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. You don't want to be like the world? We all say, well, I'm not going to watch that movie. I'm not going to listen to that song. I'm not going to say that thing. 
You want to be, be unlike the world? This is how you're unlike the world. It's easy to not watch a movie or turn on a show. It's a lot harder to love your enemies. Verse 47, and if you only greet your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Just do good. Just do good. Who can live up to such a calling? We have to say we can't and don't. We don't seek the good at all times for all, all people. But sadly, probably we pay evil for evil more than we realize or are now just realizing. The Holy Spirit, he'll show you. Don't quench him. You can try to fight him, but he'll wrestle you down. But here's the thing. I have good news for you and me. Notice the Thessalonians, too, were struggling with such things, and yet Paul does not condemn them or say they are not children of God. No, for they were saved by faith even though they were failing these commands before God. Paul here was just revealing to them and us, revealing to us all of how things should be in our lives, but they're not. What we should be following after, but we're not. Things we need to ask God to help us with. But here's the thing. Remember, our God is good to us, even if we're not good to him by not following his way. For he does not repay evil for evil. He repays only with grace. For he is gracious, and his grace upon grace is not enough. And the greatest good that he did for us, we were who, who were his enemies, was sending his son out of love for us sinners to die in our place to do the very thing we would never do. He sent Christ to fulfill the whole law including the very one we're going over today, that we went over, of this never returning evil for evil, but only doing good to all. He accomplished it all. Christ himself exhausted this law for you and me all by faith in him, so that when it is exposed on how we cannot live up to the standard of perfection, we can rest in knowing that Christ has kept that standard for us all by faith in him so that when we see God face to face on judgment day, he won't see the times we failed to react in goodness to our spouse because of their offenses. He won't see your uncontrolled wrathful reactions with your kids because of their selfishness. He won't see your nasty response or responses you have said behind your fool boss's back. He won't see your deep, dark, cold response to the inconsiderate and rude family members in your midst. He won't see your self-righteous judgments of the people in your church when they sin against you. He won't see your sin, nor will he hold them against you. Rather, he will see Christ and his finished works in your place and say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant, even though you weren't. gospel is good news, for he has truly sa saved failed, broken sinners all by faith in him. The failed, broken sinners is all that they are. 
So when we think upon this simple yet crushing statement of just be good, do you realize you can't? Remember the one who did it, and his name is Jesus. Rest in him knowing that no matter what, he has you covered, and no matter how much you fail, he has won it all for you, all by faith alone. So let's finish in prayer. So we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to ask the deacons to come up. And you know, if you've made a decision for Christ today, come on up, share it with one of the deacons, share it with me. If you said, I need Christ. If you need to kind of reevaluate yourself and see things that have been going on in your life that, man, I have been missing out. And I need prayer. Come up, pray with one of the deacons. Pray with me. Or find someone to pray with. Pray right where you are. There's nothing magical about coming up here. God knows and sees. We're just here to support. Because we can't see if you just stay where you are. God loves you. And that's the crazy thing about it. Sinners can see that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you so much for being amazing. Being amazing grace. That's who you are. That's your character. That's the definition of you. The greatest expression of you is through the cross, through what you accomplished. All through your son, for us, so that we can be saved. God, we ask now that if there is sin we're holding on to, and I know, I know there is, God, help us to turn away from it. Help us to, to see it in another disgusting light and know that we may fail when we walk out these doors. We say we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do good and then next thing we know we see the person and we fail right then and there. Help us, Lord, to take rest and to know that through Christ that we already know. And may that motivate us to continue to pursue the good because of what your son has done for us. And Lord, if someone has come to know you today, that they would just fall in love with your son. We pray this in your son's name.